All right, welcome everybody. How's everybody doing today? We doing good today? Come on, let me hear you. Okay, maybe like a, you know, like a four or five out of ten. It's good. It's all right. By the time you leave here, all right, by the time you leave here, the goal is to let you like walk out of these doors somewhere closer to an eight, nine, or a ten. All right, that's our goal. Um, that's our goal. So welcome, guys that are worshiping with us at one of our campuses. want to say a big hello to everybody that's out there. Uh, big hello to everybody worshiping with us online. And a massive hello to everybody that's here at our Kearney campus. So glad to have you guys. We are in a teaching series that we entitled Little, right? And we're just talking about the little things that make a big difference. Let me just give you one little thing that I think makes a massive difference, and that is our cause here at New Life Church. Our cause, like what, what, what makes us do what we do? Why are we the way that we are? What, what brings pastors to work on Monday, right? Why do we design the service the way that we design it? Everything goes back to our cause statement. And the cause statement is simply this, to see people find Jesus and lives changed. So what I want to do really quick is I just want to ask a question at all of our campuses, even online right now, I want to find out how many of you guys would say it was at New Life Church, I either was a kid, a teenager in a life group, or I just recently showed up here, but, but somewhere being a part of New Life Church, um, I found Jesus, right? I found Jesus. I mean, let me just see hands. Let me just see hands at all campuses all over the place. It was through some ministry. Okay, that's awesome. That's exciting. I'm excited for you. Now, how many of you would say this, that somewhere, somehow, through some relationship, doesn't really matter to me what it is, but you feel like your life has been changing to be more like Jesus while you've been here at New Life Church? Let me see your hand, okay, really quick. All right, well then, look, that's awesome because that's letting us know one little thing is making a big difference, knowing what your cause is. A lot of you, you work at places, you have no idea what the mission statement, purpose statement, or a cause statement really is. Um, and that's unfortunate because if you don't know what that little statement is, then, you know, the whole organization starts breaking down. So we, we know what ours is, and we know why we wake up in the morning. We know why we design things. We know why we set budgets the way we set them. And we track, are we finding, are we finding people, you know, in a relationship with Jesus, and are we seeing their life change? And so we track those kind of things. Uh, with, with this little series, um, look, week one, we talked about what it looked like to have little faith. Okay? How many of you guys were here on week one? Let me hear you. Okay, that wasn't very encouraging, but, um, but hey, I'll get over it. I'll get over it because they were probably cheering in North Platte or something like that. Um, week two, week two, we had a uh, little obedience, little kindness, little sacrifice. Should I dare give that one more chance? How many of you guys were here for week two? Okay, all right. So you, you guys are the week two, week four people. And you decided to show up on week three because something happened on week two. Okay, awesome. I love that. I love that. Uh, this, week, this week, we're going to be going to another topic, another topic, right? But before I tell you what the topic is, uh, if you were here week one and week two, there's something that I've done in both weeks that I've never done in all of the time that I've been in full-time ministry and being primarily a communicator, which has been years, right, over um, over two decades now and counting, and at some point I'm going to stop counting. Amen? How many of you guys like that, right? At some point, that's enough birthdays. I don't need to count them anymore. 
Uh, don't need to count how many years I've been in ministry anymore. But for the first time, I noticed something as I was preparing for this message. Week one and week two, bed bugs were an illustration in my sermons. And I just thought to myself, possibly should we go for the trifecta? And yes, it, I wasn't planning on it, but Friday night I was in a hotel, right? Somewhere between Friday night going to bed, waking up Saturday morning for my meeting, um, I wake up in the middle of the night, and when I wake up, I feel things like crawling on me, all right? Yeah, and I freak out, like, woo! It sounded just like that, okay? And I, man, I'm out of the bed, I'm checking the bed. It was nothing. And so I'm like, doggone it, Jeff Baker, you did that to yourself. You talked about bed bugs two weeks in a row. You deposited the thought in the middle of the night. You're the one that thought that was going on. And I was like, doggone, I did it to myself, right? I get back into bed. Then I think to myself, maybe I've done that to you. And as your pastor, I just wanted to apologize <laughs> if I've done that to you, right? But let the record show that I have inserted an illustration of bed bugs three weeks in a row. Okay, there we go. Little things do make a big difference, just like the topic we're going to talk about today. The tongue, one little, one little part of your body, makes a big difference. James chapter 3 is where we're going to go. Take a look at it with me. All right. It says this, James chapter 3, starting in verse 3. We can make a large horse, okay, go where, wherever, wherever we want, by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship. Turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, right? Corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Let's pause right there for a second. How many of you guys are encouraged so far? Everybody encouraged? Okay. We got one baby that's encouraged. We like that. All right. Verse 7. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a Restless, it's restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No! And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. That is God's word for today. If you look at this passage just straight up, I mean immediately right off the bat, how do you feel? Do you feel like hopeless? Like what in the world? This thing's impossible to tame. This thing is dangerous. Why do we even have tongues? God, why did you give this to us? We're created in your image, and this is what you gave us, and then here's your word, and it's saying to us as if there is no hope. In fact, it's not even saying that there's no hope. It's going beyond that. It's saying, look, we can tame reptiles, but you can't tame your tongue. We can tame a fish, but you can't tame your tongue. 
We can tame birds, but you can't tame your tongue. In fact, your tongue, basically based on this scripture, as we're looking at it, just with like English and just reading it for what you know, we think it says, is saying this, that you're doomed through your tongue to create forest fires that destroy relationships. Wow, that's encouraging. Thank the Lord that's not the end of the message. Because if that was the end of the message, we pray and we just like get out of here, right? Like, wow, encouraging week. I hope next week's better. That's not the end. That's not our destiny. Okay, but I want you to be able to see this because there's a verse that's packaged in the middle of this that is the transitional verse. It's the verse that basically pulls back the veil and it goes, James, what in the world were you really talking about? Because it really feels like right now, like you're giving us a message of no hope. Right? Like, why even try? Just give up, throw in the towel, just be who you're going to be. Let whatever comes out of your mouth come. Let whatever destruction that that's going to create, let it just create its destruction. You're just going to have to live with it because it really sounds that way until you get really into the depth of it and you look at James 3, chapter 10, or excuse me, chapter 3, verse 10, and you see right in the middle of what we just read, he says this. And so, blessing and cursing pour out of the same mouth. Surely, Okay, comma, my brothers and sisters, comma, this is not right, exclamation mark. Meaning, look, we don't have to be these people. We can say no. Our tongue doesn't have to control us. We don't have to settle for all of these things that I was talking about with the forest fire and the destruction and, and all of that and the being controlled as if it's like by, by hell itself. In fact, he goes back and he reinforces after that statement. He says, well, listen to me. God's creation doesn't allow fresh water and bitter water to come out of the same spring. And neither should we. That's what he's trying to drive home. God doesn't create that kind of chaos. God doesn't create that kind of uncertainty. And he's going, look, as a human being created by God in his image, we shouldn't settle for that either. And then he also drives home that point that, look, God's creation doesn't allow a fig tree to produce anything other than a fig tree. And in our lives, when we're surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ and he is the leader growing ever, ever more in his intensity as the leader of our lives, that we would then be letting go of the abusive words that come from our mouth. Letting go of the controlling words, the gossiping words. Letting go of the foul words that would come from our lives so that we, we can take on the life-giving, uplifting, Christ-honoring words that build each other up and they don't tear each other down. Now look, but if I just said to you, like, go speak better to people, that would be harsh. That would be abusive even from my position because in and of ourselves, we can't change the way that we speak in and of ourselves. We don't have that ability. James is right. The tongue is wicked. The tongue's going to rule. The tongue's going to win out every single time. But here's the truth. You'll never control the tongue by your superhuman strength. You won't be able to do it. Right? That's not how we focus. We don't focus in on just the behavior and go, let's just change the behavior. There's something deeper than that. Right? Behavior changes through, watch this repentance that's how behavior changes a recognizing that my my actions they break whose law god's law so what do i do then i come to god and i repent lord my actions break your command and that's not how i want to live my life i want my life to live your command and glorify you so behavior starts to change 
with repentance. What we start to repent about starts changing our behavior because it's from the inside out. It's not from the behavior in. It's from the inside out. So what else starts to change behavior? Conviction. Living under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. When, when you're trying to tune your heart to God's heart and you're saying, God, teach me your ways. God, convict this human soul on this earth that is tempted to break all of your commands, that has a, a tongue that can lash out and cause a lot of pain and death to others. Convict me, God. And as you convict me, then I want to listen. The, the, the trick is listening to that conviction and then actually acting on it. What a lot of us do is we'll hear that conviction, which is very like, like a whisper, and then we just decide we're going to go do what we want to do. So it's, it's hearing the conviction and then acting on it. And it's, it's this heart that comes before God and it says, God, I just want to be more sensitive to your Holy Spirit and the leading of your Holy Spirit in my life. Church, that's where behavior really starts to change. And we're going to talk quite a bit about that from the inside out. So here's where it all really starts. It starts super practical. It starts first by valuing the fact that your words influence someone. Every single one of you. And you might be sitting here right now and think to yourself, like, I don't know. that I don't really know that I influence anybody. I mean, Jeff, I can see you do. Like you're up there most weeks and you're communicating and your words are influencing other people. And I, yeah, and I recognize that. And with that comes a great weight, okay? It, it comes a great responsibility. Um, there comes an extra level of judgment upon my life for the role that God's called me to and saying yes to it. And so there's a lot of weight that comes with that. But you might go, well, ah, man, I'm not a pastor. Like that's not me. Like I, where, where's my influence at? And I just want to say to you, every single person hearing my voice right now at any campus or online listening to this as a podcast watching it you know on our website later on every single one of you has power in your words and your words have influence over others someone is listening to you it might be a son listening to a father it might be a son listening to a mom or a daughter the same way it could be your words spoken to a, to a spouse, husband, or a wife. It could be your words that are spoken to an employee. It, it also could be your, your, the words spoken to a coworker that has to listen to your criticism and complaining all the time. Those people, your words, they affect their attitude. They affect the way they see themselves. They affect their own self-esteem. That your words have power and your words influence others. In fact, Proverbs 18.21 says it this way, that the tongue can bring, what, death or? There's one of those two things, that the tongue can bring one of them. And I just want to make sure that in today's time that we live, okay, when this was written, there was no iPhones. When this was written, there was no Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. There was no email. There was no text messaging. There was none of that kind of stuff. I just want you to know right now, when we say the word tongue, we're talking about words that are coming from you, and not all of those words are coming out of your mouth, right? Some come from the tongue, some come from the thumb. That was pretty good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How many of you guys have had words spoken through the thumb of another person that has impacted you, both positive 
positively and negatively. Of course you have. Come through the fingers. There is another set of words that happen that we often don't talk about, and that is called self-talk. We self-talk as well. You know what I mean? Right? It's not just words that are coming out of your mouth towards one another. It's not even things that are coming through your thumb. It's what you're telling yourself about yourself. It could also be what you're telling yourself about others. No one else knows about it. Oh, you were polite. You were kind when you were in front of people. But man, when you got inside of your car and that door shut, woo, self-talk came alive. And now your true opinions of what just happened are coming out. And we kind of live with that because, wow, that's not, a, that's not hurting anybody, right? Who, who's that hurting? So in, in this message that we're talking about, I don't know where you find your greatest challenge, whether it is this, the actual physical tongue, it's your fingertips, it's your thumbs, or it's your own self-talk. I, I don't know which one is your greatest struggle, right? Which one you've got as your greatest hurdle that you've got to figure out how to leap over, right? But I'm just saying to you, don't just... Don't just go, well, hey, look, I, I don't tend to say things that hurt people's, you know, opinions, so I'm going to go check my email right now. Like, don't check out, because every single one of us is in this message one way or another. And your words, by the way, in any of those categories, are sitting on a precipice, right, waiting to be activated at any given moment that will bring life or they'll bring death. And that's just the way it is. One or the other is going to happen. They're ready. They're just ready to be used, Kind of like your sweat glands right now are ready to be used to bring life or death, right? Because you understand like how your sweat glands work, right? Like this isn't college level health class or anything, right? If you get hot, right, you start sweating to cool down your body so you don't overheat. Now, if you don't start sweating, then you will overheat and overheating leads to death. So therefore, when you start getting hot, your sweat glands, they're just right there. They're ready, to, they're ready to work for you. They're ready to kick in, right? And they kick in, they start sweating, and you may not like it, but it's saving your life. And it's one little thing that activates when you need it, right? And as long as those things are working, and I know some people don't have you know, healthy sweat glands, and that's very dangerous. But one little thing can lead to life or to death, just like your tongue can lead to life or to death, and the words are sitting right there on the edge, ready to pounce to do one or the other all the time. So how do we, how do we really start to see a transformation take place? We have to recognize that our words are connected to our heart. This is, if you don't like my words that I'm saying to you today, I, 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 am, I implore you to like the next words that come from Jesus. Matthew chapter 12, he says this, for whatever is in your heart determines what? What you, so what is he saying? It's not what starts here. It's not even what starts up here. It's what starts right here. That it's out of the heart that we start saying things, typing things that are either going to be life-giving or they're going to bring death to us. So, so we don't fix the words. You don't focus on just the, the surface thing. You don't focus on that. Th that's what we try to do all the time. I just need to stop saying that. I just need to stop gossiping. I just need to stop 
being that, that way or this way or critical or, you know, letting anger burst out there. And we just go, I just need to stop. And we go, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to do that anymore. And then the next morning you wake up and there it all is again. Why? Because we're trying to change the surface. We're trying to change the behavior. And you don't change the behavior. You change the source of the behavior. You start changing the heart. So if we don't fix the behavior, what we do is we surrender We surrender more of our heart to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And the more that God has your heart, the more God has your words. You want to be more life-giving with your words? You want to get off the bench? Maybe you're not life-giving or death-giving. You want to just get off the bench and get into the game? Then let God get more of your heart. Because the more he has more of your heart, then the more your words start bringing life. So if you wrestle with like critical language, hurtful words right, or just maybe that quick to speak, that fighter inside of you. Some of you guys are fighters, right? Someone says something and boom, there you are, man. You show up to the scene, all right? Anybody else like that? Don't raise your hand. It's, it, it's okay. It's all right, but there's some of us that are like that. The issue, the issue isn't what you're seeing on the outside. That, that's not the issue. The issue is down deeper inside of the heart, and if you never give God the source of where that behavior is coming from, you're, you're going to live with that behavior for the rest of your life. Some of you, you've got, you've got pain in your past, and the pain in your past caused by the words of someone else is that pain is now manifesting itself, coming through you, and you don't want it to, but now you are influencing others and you're bringing pain to them. And pain, undealt with, is going to bring pain to someone else. Hurt people hurt people. You see what I'm saying? You're you're following me with that. This is not like rocket science here. So what do we have to do? We have to bring the pain to God. We got to bring the lack of self-confidence to God. You got to bring the anger to God. You got to bring that moment. And I'm telling you, a lot of times that anger, the lack of confidence, um, you know, that pain oftentimes, unfortunately, is connected to another human being. And a lot of times, it's connected to the words that they said. It's connected to something in that behavior moment that impacted you as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult at work last week, and you just can't get away from it. You just can't get it out, right? And you don't know what to do with it. And you said, I brought it to God. I said, God, take this pain, take this anger, take this resentment, Take this unforgiveness away from me, but he hasn't done it. I had a moment of reprieve, but I haven't had a lifetime of freedom. I want you to know something today that what we're talking about is not a one-stop shop fix that's going to take place in your life. This is something where you're going to have to bring that moment of pain. You're going to have to live through that little moment of anger. You have to bring it to the feet of Jesus Christ. You have to say, God, I choose to forgive that person. God, I don't, no, no, Lord, I, I don't, that's not who I am. I'm not going to allow that moment to define me. And here's what's going to happen. Over and over, the enemy's going to keep bringing that same thing back to you over and over and over again. How often do you bring it to the feet of Jesus to change your heart? As often as that past pain, anger, that lack of, what, as often as that thing attacks you and tries to control you, you bring it to Jesus. That might mean that you have to bring it to him on your, on your drive, back, back from work to home. It might, need that, might mean that you need to step away from that conversation with your spouse that's escalating 
right? And it's going to escalate to a conflict. You might need to step away. There are moments when those things are starting to surface, and that's when God's going, are you going to let me be the leader of this? Are you going to let me be the Lord of it? And it kind of comes off in layers. It just comes off in thin little layers. Every once in a while, a person will experience a miraculous freedom. They will, every once in a while. Most of the time, most of the time, these are things that just over time, could be months, could be years, and then all of a sudden you recognize that thing isn't controlling me anymore. How many of you guys remember the words, hurtful words, words that bring death? How many of you guys remember words like that that were spoken to you at some point in your life? Don't raise your hand, but I, I just got a feeling that most of us have those. I remember as a young man in North Pole, Alaska, and I, I had a, a calling, a vision, like, like I really saw myself being a youth pastor, right, making a difference in the lives of teenagers. And I, I went to this older gentleman in the back of the church after a service one day, and you know, I was telling him about my dream telling him about my vision, and now I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm married, and I, I've got three kids. We just had our fourth child. Christian was just born, and so here we are, a young family in the Air Force, four kids, and he just looks at me, and he goes, look, Jeff, i got a son who's in full-time ministry. He's a senior pastor. I'm just going to tell you right now, there's no way that you are financially going to be able to take care of your family if you become a youth pastor. You're going to have to change that dream. Thankfully... I'm not the kind of guy that lets your words crush my dream. That's just not who I am. I didn't fight back. I was just like, hmm, that's interesting. It didn't, it didn't crush my faith. But let me say this to you. Isn't it interesting I never forgot those words? I never forgot that moment. I never forgot his face. I, have, I can relive that moment anytime. But just because you can relive it and just because you can hear it doesn't mean it has to control you. You may never get those hurtful words out of your life, but they don't have to define you. They might be there, and I'm going to tell you the honest truth. That Satan loves to use those kind of statements. right? He loves to use those kind of things and bring them back. See, I told you. See, yep, yep, that guy was right. You brushed it off, but he was right. And you've got to step on top of that, right? And you got to keep walking. And you got to go, but that's not who I am, and that's not what God called me to. And that's something inside of the heart, guys. It's not just the fight or flight attitude. That's something inside of the heart, that conviction, right? That repentance before God, knowing who you are in Christ Jesus, that lets you rise up and walk on top of the hurtful words that meant to crush you, and now you crush them. And it's possible. That's possible. You might never get rid of those. In the same way, isn't it awesome that you also many times can't get rid of those life-giving words that were spoken at just the right moment, at just the right time? I still can hear the voice of my father with encouraging words. I can still hear the voice of my mentors, right, saying things that caused me to think differently than what I was thinking. I can stand here right now and still hear the words of my wife, loving words, that are encouraging when I needed them, shaping when I needed them, just kind when I needed them. I can still remember those just like you can. And we, you and me, we've got a, we have a choice to make. Like, which of those two voices are we going to allow to define us, and which of those two voices are we going to become? In Proverbs 12, 18, it says this. 
Some people make cutting remarks. But the words of the wise, they bring healing. Words of death, they're cutting. They cut. They cut into the heart. You got a choice you got to make today. Are you going to let that cutting word cut into your heart and let you just bleed out? And just let hurt hurt people? Right? Or are we going to you know, reflect on the words of the wise, reflect on the words of the mentor, reflect on the words of the kind, reflect on the words of the encourager, and let those bring healing to us. Because a healed person, it's out of their wholeness that they bring life, church. You, you want to be a life-giving person? It's out of your wholeness that you bring life. The more whole you are, the more healed you are, the more complete you are before Christ the more life-giving words you have to give. And that's a choice that you and me really have to make, and we have to, but we have to never forget that your words have an influence on someone. That's a motivator. That's a motivator, right? That, that causes me, you know, as a human being to go, my words matter. God, I, I better have my heart in the right place so that my words bring more life. And I'm just going to tell you right now, you're never, ever, just like me, you're never going to get that 100% right. You'll never get it, but it's, it's, it's awesome to strive for. It's awesome to keep surrendering your heart to the Lordship of Jesus Christ for. So your words can bring direction to other people's lives, just like we talked about before, right? Your words, they influence and they bring direction. It's like what James was talking about in chapter 3 when he mentioned this in verse 4, that even though the winds are strong, a large, huge ship, right, our version talked about, is controlled by a small rudder. That small rudder directs the huge ship, even though the winds are blowing strong. And that tells me that, look, you can let the little rudder of the, of the words spoken that were life-giving to direct you in the midst of the chaos of this life. Or you can let the little rudder of the words that bring death to direct you. And your life will reflect it. But it also tells me that those of, uh, those of you who have identified the fact that, yes, my words do influence someone, that that acts like a little rudder, and you, you can speak words of life that will bring direction to other people, and they'll be, they'll be life-giving. So what I want you to think with me is this. Who do your words influence? When you speak, your words influence who? I just want you to think about that for a second. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down their name or the group of their names. But every single one of you will have a name that's going to come to you. When I speak, my words influence who? And, and then next, I want you to think about this with me. And this assignment's going to go beyond today. But, you know, what is something that God is prompting you to say to them? I want you to think about that. If it's a son or a daughter, what, what words is God prompting you to say to them, right, that maybe you haven't been saying? If it's a spouse, what words is God prompting you to say? An employee, what are those words? Write those down. Meditate on those words. Come before the Lord. If the Lord has given us a voice of influence, He's got something he wants to put in your heart so that you can speak to their journey. And so here's something that's powerful, and you may not like it, and you may not want to do it, but God wants you this week, to, he wants to use you to speak his word to someone. 
Every single one of us is walking out of this auditorium or wherever you're listening from, you're going to walk out of this auditorium on mission. Not just have heard a word from God that, you know, can potentially change you, but you're hearing a word from God today that has the potential to change others. So who do you have influence over, right, that your voice matters, and what is God wanting you to say to them? Because God wants to speak through you this week to influence them, to adjust their trajectory, to adjust their course, to maybe even change their course. It could just be a simple word of encouragement, and you have no idea how important that simple word of encouragement is going to be to them. But it could be life-changing for them. It might seem little, it might seem little to you, but it could be everything to them. So you might be sitting here right now, you go, ah, oh, Jeff, man, that's awesome, dude. Way to throw the net out there. I don't feel qualified. Don't know that I feel qualified to do that little job that you're just saying there that God wants me to do. And here's what I would say back to you. You're not. You're not qualified. But when we surrender our heart to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, when we align our heart with him, when we say, God, heal my heart so that I can be life-giving, guess what? You may not be qualified in your, your human ability, but God qualifies you through the power of his spirit. And it's through the power of God's spirit that we speak life to one another. So we all have now an action step in front of us. Yeah, you got something that you're going to do when you walk out of here, but there's something that's sitting right here in front of us that starts the action. It starts the motion. It puts us in a position where our words start bringing more life than they do death. And it's, it's simply found in Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, and I want to conclude with this. Here's what it says, that if you openly declare, or if you speak with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what happens? You will be saved. That's powerful. A little, just a little faith spoken before God, you are Lord. You are my leader. I believe that you raised from the dead to set me free from my sin. I choose to follow you. That little prayer, that, those little words spoken by faith and, and, you know, and obedience and true surrender, bring salvation, one little statement from your mouth changes your life forever, that's huge. But look what else it says in verse 10. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And then he goes on and he, he repeats basically the beginning again. And it is by opening, openly declaring your faith that you're saved. Notice these two sides of the coin here. The first one is this, and many of you are at this stage right now where you're at this point where the first life-giving words you need to speak this morning are this. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord and leader of my life. I surrender my life to you. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose again from the grave to set me free from my sin. I surrender. Those are the very first life-giving words many of you need to say out of the obedience and repentance of your own heart before God. There are others that are here today that they need to say what verse 10 talks about. Where it said, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. Or it is by believing. Self-talk is a part of believing. In your heart that you are not just made right with God, but you are healed. Remember, it's out of the heart that the mouth speaks. 
And some of you need to finally come to a point where you can believe, yes, God, I can truly give you this pain and walk away from it so that my heart is more whole, so that my words are more whole. Yes, God, I truly can give you this act of forgiveness. I truly do believe that, Lord, you can heal my heart from the pain of this, this you know, crazy thing that was done to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive him. Right, or whatever it is, like I believe you, God, you are bigger than whatever it is I'm carrying around that is causing my behavior to be something I don't want it to be. It's causing me to diminish my self-image. It's causing me to lower my self-esteem. It's causing me to not, you know, be living to the maximum capacity of what you created me to be. And the enemy's winning out. And so I believe that I can give this to you so that my heart can be whole, that out of my mouth can come words of life. You're on one side of the coin, one side or the other, church. It's the confession of the lordship of Jesus Christ, or it's the believing in your heart that, that Jesus can make you more whole, so that out of our hearts, all of our hearts, that we can speak more words of life instead of words of death. Now, before, before I like, release us from this moment to worship, which is another moment we're going to what? Open up our mouth and declare who Jesus is. I do feel strongly just to say this for whoever, whoever needs to hear this. That you're allowing the words of someone who is no longer even on this earth to define you. They're not even walking on this earth. They're, they're gone. They're in the grave. And you're allowing those words to define you in a negative way. They're still controlling you. But you said, that will never control me. But they're controlling you. Because you're letting their words still affect the way you see yourself. Some of you, the words that were spoken to you in your adolescence, that you no longer live in that house, although your mother and your father might still be alive, you're still letting those words control you, even though you're not even living underneath the authority you know, of that parenting model anymore. You're in your 20s, you're in your 30s now, and you need to bring that pain to God let him get a hold of it so that you can be more life-giving. Or otherwise, otherwise what's coming out of you is death. Because you're letting death rule you. So I'm suggesting to you today that if that word was for anyone, bring your life before the lordship of Jesus Christ. Bring your pain, your hurt to him, and start believing that God can rescue you from that so that you can be more life-giving. When God's got our heart, out of our mouth speaks life. And I think that's who we want to be, amen? Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, as we come before you, I'm reminded of the power of your words. Now, at the very beginning, you spoke and there was light, powerful. You spoke and creation took its course. I'm also reminded of the incredibly powerful words that were spoken, Jesus, on the cross, the last words you spoke, it is finished. Those words remind me, because you finished what you came here to do, I can have the hope of relationship with you for eternity. Lord, now it's up to us, will we be life givers? Life givers in our word, it's a little tongue that steers the ships of people's lives all the time. They, it speaks life or it speaks death. And sometimes we're our own worst enemy and what we're speaking to ourselves. And other times others have deposited those thoughts. And 
it's not who it's not who you say we are lord let us believe in our heart that you can heal us so that we will be whole let us believe in our heart that you're bigger than whatever it is we're carrying so that we can be life-giving let us believe in our heart that jesus you rose from the grave you are my leader and my lord so that i might have salvation and be life-giving lord today whatever the next step is for people would you meet them where they are would you speak to them and would you bring us to a point of total surrender to you in jesus name amen